0: Fun filled episode of Paranormally Speaking this week. I am diving into tales of water monsters, Sasquatch, Yeti, various other cryptozoological type creatures. And this is an episode all about cryptozoology, research, and encounters. Encounters shared with me or those that I've come across throughout the years. People who have seen, heard, or witnessed for themselves, as well as a few other terrifying tales of such encounters. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to know more about me as a person, you can always Google at the Neil Parks. Find a plethora of information on books I've written, films that I have co written with other screenwriters, indie horror films mainly, and documentaries I've worked on, paranormal documentaries, and various other information artwork that I've presented to the world. A lot of really cool stuff. Hope you enjoy. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Monster.fandom.com That's monster.fandom.com Now, moving along to the most recent Sightings, currently reported specific sea monsters, water monsters, lake monsters, such as Cadborosaurus of the Pacific Northwest, Champ of Lake Champlain, Chessie of the Chesapeake Bay, of course, Nessie of Loch Ness, Champ is Nessie's cousin. They are both described as what a Pladeosaurus would have looked like. And then there's Izzy of Lake Ecada and Kyoshoku. Then there's Ogopogo of the Okan Lake. There's Luska, Morguar. Then there's Ninjin, a humanoid creature sighted in the seas of North Japan. Shoreladdy. It's in uh, Westford's Iceland. Arfin Forjor. The Seahorse. Arfin Forjor, West George in Ireland, Iceland. The Shell Monster. Arfinjör, Westford's Iceland. And the Merman, also in Westford's Iceland. Creatures of H.P. Lovecraft's Chikulu mythos, including Chikulu himself. Or Chihulu, however you wish to pronounce it. It's pronounced about three different ways. Creatures in such sci-fi horror films as Deep Star 6, The Rift, Deep Rising, and Deep Shock. Clover. Cyrus from Cyrus the Unsinkable Sea Serpent by Bill Pete. Fictional portrayals of the giant squid, like in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Giant octopus in It Came from Beneath the Sea. Iku Toruso in Lanrat's Kavala. Giganto, Godzilla, Mothra, Gorgo, Manda. Kraken is depicted in Clash of the Titans both the 1981 and 2010 versions, as well as the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That version of the Kraken is very different from the one in Clash of the Titans. Ibira, Titanosaurus, Zigra, Moby Dick, Retosaurus, the Terrible Dogfish, Jaws, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, Sea Serpent as depicted in C.S. Lewis's novel The Voyage of the Dawn Shredder. Loch Ness Monster found as sonar image shows massive underwater creature. The Plasiosaurus has been unusually social over the summer months, with multiple sightings recorded, but the latest high-tech image could be the clearest proof yet of her existence. The Loch Ness Monster may have been captured on high-tech equipment and her mystical home amid a flurry of sightings of the legendary beast. A visitor to the highlands claims to have caught Nessie swimming deep in the murky waters. The third time the prehistoric resident has been caught this summer. The spotter named by the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register as Brandon Scanlon claims to have recorded a sound image of a creature rumored to be between 3 to 4 meters, around 9 to 13 feet, long below the waves. Mr. Scanlon was traveling on the Nessie hunter vessel used to ferry passengers on journeys around the loch. It comes after a number of reported sightings in July and August, purported to be the alleged plesiosaurus. According to the register, during the latest sighting on August 26, Benjamin Scanlon was on a holiday with his family and took a trip on the Nessie Hunter of Loch Ness Cruises. He spotted something on the sonar on the boat and caught the image. Captain Mike of the boat estimated that to be 3 to 4 meters in length, at a depth of about 20 meters, while the boat was in water about 40 meters deep. Placiosaurus typically grew to a length of around 11 feet, according to fossil records, placing its size right in the middle of the captain's estimate. Recent sightings have included a Mr. Vecock claiming to have seen an an unidentified creature rise 2 feet from the water before descending back into the peaty depths, while on holiday last month. In another incident, a father and daughter claimed to have seen Nessie moving through the water while hiking nearby. The register maintained by a team of volunteers categorizes sightings of the plesiosaurus back to the earliest description in the 6th century when it was recorded and reportedly halted in its tracks by St. Columbia plesiosaurus typically grew to a length of around 11 feet according to fossil records placing its size in the middle of v estimates as well thousands of sightings with a range of validity have been recorded including nine in 2021 fantastic
1: roswell ufos flying saucers alien abduction
0: That's terrific. The Loveland, Ohio Frog. In Ohio folklore, the Loveland Frog, also known as the Loveland Frogman or Loveland Lizard, is a legendary humanoid frog described as standing roughly four feet tall. Allegedly spotted in Loveland, Ohio in 1972, the Loveland Frog legend gained renewed attention when a Loveland police officer reported a colleague that he had seen an animal consistent with the descriptions of the frogman. After a purported sighting in 2016, the second officer called a news station to report that he had shot and killed the same type of creature some weeks after the 1972 incident and had identified it as an overly large iguana that was missing its tail. The University of Cincinnati folklore professor Edgar Slotkin compared the Loveland Frog to Paul Bunyan, saying that the stories about it had been passed down for several decades and that sighting reports seemed to come in predictable cycles. In May 2014, the Loveland Frog legend was made into a musical titled Hot Damn, It's the Loveland Frog. According to various legends, the creature was first sighted in 1955 with some versions of the story specifying that being the month of May when it occurred. There are three different versions of that story that only differ slightly from each other. The three stories that start the same way with a businessman or a traveling salesman driving along an unnamed road late at night. The stories start to diverge at that point. In one story, the driver was heading out of the Branch Hill neighborhood when he spotted three figures stood erect on their hind legs along the side of the road each three to four feet tall, with leathery-type skin and frog faces. In the other two versions of the story, the creatures were spotted under or over a poorly lit bridge. There are a number of bridges in Loveland going over the Little Miami River. The story tells of a businessman watching the figures converse for a while until one of the creatures held a wand over its head and fired a spray of sparks, startling the observer into fleeing the scene. In August 2016, local Cincinnati TV stations reported that a night of fun turned into a chilling tale of horror when two teenagers playing Pokemon Go between Loveland, Madeira Road, and Lake Isabella claimed to see a giant frog near the lake on August 3rd that stood up and walked on its hind legs. It was later revealed to be a local student from an Archbishop Mueller High School in a homemade costume. James Renner's science fiction mystery novel, The Man from Primrose Lane, features a fictionalized version of the Loveland Frog. Matt Roberts' horror fiction anthology, Little Horror Stories for the Soul, also features stories of a fictionalized version of the Loveland Frogmen, In the novella Suburban Legend And also Ohio is known for the London, Ohio werewolf I wrote about That encounter and Put a creative spin at the end of it Um, Creative Liberty In the the story itself It was chronicled In uh, the documentary series My Haunting I believe it was on Discovery And it dealt with A new a family that moved into London Ohio and purchased a house in the rural farmland outside of town and strange things started happening when the husband would go to work shortly after they moved in and he was working trick work like a really weird schedule late at night not coming home till early in the morning and his wife was left at home to basically put things away make a home for themselves Organize everything Unbox their items And he would do what he could With what little time he had When he came home from work So when she was up late at night In the kitchen She noticed eyes peering in at her From the outside By one of the giant oak trees Close to the house And they would go from yellow to red And they'd be peering in at her And each time she saw them They moved closer to the window Until one evening It made its move and threw its arm through the window of the kitchen, reaching in at her and had fur all over the arm and long thick claws. She reported this incident to her husband who then started doing his own investigation into the incident and trying to track this creature. Once he found footprints belonging to said creature that the woman identified as Hairy and lanky and monstrous One morning he got up Relatively early on a day off To go and get breakfast for them From the town As he goes out to start his vehicle And this is Right at the peak of winter time There was snow on the ground It was very cold And when he turned on his truck The headlights and the taillights came on The taillights Omitted a red glow and behind him he could see the outline of a giant beast of some sort that threw its arm up over its face to shield its eyes. He got out and when seeing it with his own eyes it climbed up the side of the house jumped off the roof and headed up the hill. A couple of days later he got into contact with a friend that he had made through work and they decided to Followed the location of where this thing had headed into Followed the tracks And led them to In a secluded area of cabin that was in the woods That the windows were boarded up But the tracks stopped at the back door The footprints And his friends started banging wildly On the back door Hurling insults, cursing at whatever was inside Daring it to come out And he thought, you know, we're standing here with shotguns. This is going to look really bad. We need to move on. So he starts asking people around town who owns that cabin. And they mentioned a name of a man. And he tracked that man down to a tire shop that was locally owned. And he worked in the tire shop and stayed the back all the time he never came up front they just wheeled things to him brought things into him and he would come out of the shadows and work on the stuff and then go back into what was described as his lair it was his little workstation in the back and it was dimly lit but you knew that he was back there working around and had tools to go to and use so he and his friend devised a plan to take a flat tire to the shop have them Wheel it over to him and work on it so they could get a better look at this guy And as he emerged from the shadows when they came in He was every bit of 6'5 to 6'8 Grayish skin, looked very sickly But a broad build of a man Broad shoulders, thick build, looked like he could knock a house over Had piercing yellow eyes And just stared at them took the tire into the back of the shadowed area where he was working, repaired it, rolled it back out to his shop manager who then charged the two guys for the repair. And when they took the wheel and tire back to the pickup truck to load it, there was a weird inscription written on the inside of the wheel itself that went around in a circle. And it was strange hieroglyphic, strange markings. They couldn't make heads or tails of what it was. So he went, the owner, the husband, went to the local library, started looking into books of legends, books of the occult, books of witchcraft, and found that those were markings that were used to ward off evil spirits or markings used to ward off shapeshifter skinwalkers. And this was brought to his attention... Upon reading it, that maybe that man had a secret or a curse And had written that inscription on there As a way to keep him from returning to that property When he makes the change into a lycothrope So they put that out of their mind for a while after that day The encounter stopped happening, the visit stopped happening The creature stopped showing up And he attributed that to the markings that were written on the inside of that tire by the man who repaired it, who potentially could be the Loveland werewolf, and wrote those markings on there as a way to ward him away from that property, to not damage or hurt anyone, or damage the house or hurt anyone while he was a victim of that curse of of becoming a werewolf. Now, many, many months passed after this, And The sheriff came to his home uh, To the man's home And um, Said that he knew he was asking About that cabin He knew that They had made some form of contact With the man who owned it And that he needed them to come see something So he and his friend Went back out to the cabin With the police department With the sheriff And he opened up the door and showed them what the inside of the cabin looked like. And there was a room that was there that was padded with like steel walls welded together, thick steel. They had claw marks in it, shackles and chains, and like a skylight that allowed whatever was in there to, to get fresh oxygen to see the sky And it smelled like wet dog and death. And the old man, or whether he was old or not, died in that cabin alone and potentially cursed with the curse of becoming a werewolf in Loveland, Ohio. That is where the actual story stops. But like I said, I wrote about this encounter in my fourth, uh, fifth book, Haunted Enough. And... Put a creative spin at the end of it For my own amusement You'll have to check it out sometime It's called Haunting Enough Written by Neil Parks You can find that of course On Amazon or through Any book dealer that you know of Barnes and Noble The list goes on Please hold for an important message from our sponsor
1: Now playing one of the biggest podcasts Of the week on the free iHeartRadio app Now number one for podcasting Free! <laughs>
0: Creepy Creatures That Call Canada Home Canada is a vast country, and there are parts of it that still remain mysterious to this day. It's not surprising that in such a huge place, legends and stories have sprung up about some pretty amazing and creepy creatures. From giant sea serpents to the famous Sasquatch, these are some of the incredible beasts that are said to call Canada home. Ogopogo in British Columbia Canada's answer to the Loch Ness Monster and America's champ in Lake Champlain. Ogopogo sightings date back as far as the 19th century. The Ogopogo calls Lake Akin Agawan in British Columbia home. It's said to be a massive sea serpent with a horse-like head. Some skeptics think sightings of Ogopogo may just be logs or ordinary water animals. While others are convinced they've seen the real thing. Canada is actually said to be home to a number of sea monsters, with Ogopogo being the most famous. Others include Champ in Lake Champlain, which starts in New York and Vermont. And Gassien a dragon said to live in the Great Lakes. It especially likes Lake Ontario, apparently. Sasquatch in British Columbia. The Sasquatch is one of a number of similar creatures that have been sighted all over the world. In the U.S., they're better known by the name Bigfoot. In Nepal, people have reported seeing the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman. These creatures all share a number of features. They're usually said to be a larger than the average person's size, and they're covered in thick hair. In fact, Sasquatch is a First Nation Salish word meaning hairy man. Some people believe that these creatures are the fabled missing link, an evolution between apes and humans. They're said to usually live in defense-dense forests and those areas, especially in the Pacific Northwest. They're also supposed to be very shy around humans, which has led many to doubt their existence. lut, the Northwest Territories. This creature looks like something straight out of Pokemon or Avatar. The Akult is a shape-shifting spirit from ilt mythology. It's a spirit that can appear as an orca whale while on the water and a giant wolf whale while on land. It's said to be huge and comes onto the land from the ocean to hunt. The best way to tell if there was an anult on the loose was to look for its tracks. If there were wolf prints leading to or from the ocean, then look out. The Anoult's not picky about what it eats, animals or people. Whatever's unlucky enough to be around when it's hunting. Loup Garou in Quebec. Loup Garou translates pretty much directly to, as werewolf. But this French-Canadian monster is a little more complicated than your average lycanthrope, Someone who can transform into a wolf. There are different legends about this monster. One legend has it that you can become one if you break the tradition of Lent for seven years in a row. Another legend suggests that Loup Garu is under a spell that lasts for 101 days, and it breaks when it is passed on to another person. Unlike traditional werewolves, the Loup Garou can change into a wolf whenever it wants. Some legends say that a Loup Garou might not even turn into a wolf. They say that those affected by the curse can turn into cats, pigs, or even owls. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Vermont has a history of Bigfoot sightings, but no mention in the FBI files. The FBI files released over 20 pages of official agency records pertaining to Bigfoot in the United States, while the FBI Five files make no mention of Vermont, some like Frank Sineski of Hubbardton thinks the creature could be wandering around in the woods of Vermont. Bigfoot in Vermont, could that be true? Sineski, a self-described Bigfoot and Sasquatch researcher, said he has proof to back up his claims that Vermont is a great place for the creature to live and to hide. In September of 2010, Saneski said he caught an image of Bigfoot on a trail camera that was stationed on part of his property in Hubberton. Bigfoot sightings in Vermont date back to the late 70s and to the early 80s, if not earlier than that. Saneski said and included sightings by a professor from Castleton University and his daughter. Vermont is a prime location for Bigfoot and Sasquatch because it's so remote and has a lot of undisturbed private property, Sanevsky said. Places like Rutland and Hubbardton consistently have sightings due to the woods and remoteness of parts of that area, he said. Some people do believe and others don't believe, Sanevsky said. I, in fact, do. A conversation with the FBI, the FBI files reveal conversation between one man who pushed the agency to test the existence of Bigfoot. In August, 1976, Peter C. Byrne, then the director of the Bigfoot Information Center and exhibit based in the Dallas, Oregon, wrote to the FBI asking the agency to confirm or deny if they had been testing hair samples on Bigfoot. Byrne attached to his letter, two newspaper articles that state the FBI has tested hairs and suspected they belong to Bigfoot and tests indicated that hair did not match any known creature. FBI Assistant Director Jay Cochran Jr. wrote back to Byrne saying that the tests cited in the articles never happened. In November 1976, the FBI agreed to test the hair samples Byrne had. The FBI concluded that the hair samples thought to belong to Bigfoot came from a member of a deer family origin, according to the records. The time that U.S. troops believed that they saw Bigfoot in the jungles of Vietnam, in the Kontum province of Vietnam, near the borders with Laos and Cambodia, there were many reports from the U.S. troops on patrols of a strange, not quite human, but not quite ape creature, the locals called Nagao Rung or the people of the forest. In other words, we know him as Bigfoot. Gary Linderer was on a six-man patrol with the 101st Airborne Long Range Reconnaissance Patrols. While struggling through the underbrush, he ran into a deep set of eyes on a prominent brow, five feet tall, with long muscular arms. The creature walked upright and was then much taller than five feet, He had broad shoulders and a heavy torso. His battle buddies told him he just saw a rock ape, but Lindwer had seen rock apes before. This was no rock ape. Once it stood completely tall, it was about an excess of seven feet. Like the Yeti in the Himalayas and the Sasquatch sightings all over North America, the Nagual Rung is an often told tale in this area. But despite endless... Sightings and folklore attached to the semi-mythical creature. No concrete evidence exists. Linderer wasn't the only witness either. Army Sergeant Thomas Jenkins reported his platoon was attacked by these apes, throwing stones at them. Toward the end of the war, Viet Cong and NVA soldiers reported so many sightings of the reddish-brown-haired-covered Nagao Rong, the North Vietnamese Communist Party. ...ordered scientists to investigate the sightings. Dr. Vo Kui, a respected doctor and environmental researcher from Hanoi... ...discovered the Ngao Rong footprint on the forest floor and made a cast of it. The cast was wider than a human foot and too big for an ape and much too long for a human. In 1982, another Vietnamese scientist, Tran Hong, Viet, discovered more footprints which led zoologist John McKinnon to investigate the region. McKinnon called the area a tiny, pristine corner of the world unknown to modern science. In 1969, McKinnon discovered man-like footprints in Borino's jungles, with the locals called Batutut, while much of the evidence surrounding the existence of these apes is only through theory alone. McKinnon, known for his discoveries of new mammal species in Vietnam, believes that there is a possibility the existence of a previously unknown ape species is very much real. The account of Nagai Rong meeting American G.I.s in Vietnam was first published and Craig P.J. Jorningson's very crazy G.I. but strange true stories of the Vietnam War. A Russian doctor suggests that Yeti could have killed a group of hikers. One of the more fantastic theories for what may have caused the infamous pass incident is getting another look thanks to a Russian doctor who says that a Yeti could have caused the tragic event. Over the last 60 years, historians and armchair researchers have offered no shortage of possible explanations for what could have killed nine hikers in the Ural Mountains back in 1959. Although ideas such as an avalanche or a weapons test gone awry are usually treated as plausible, the proverbial snowman hypothesis has been largely dismissed as merely an example of just how outlandish the speculation can sometimes get. However, a fascinating new investigation by a Russian media outlet explores the often derided idea that a Siberian Sasquatch could have somehow led to the hiking party's mysterious demise. The surprisingly lengthy piece was inspired by the musings of what the outlet calls an eminent doctor, who postulated that the rib injuries sustained by two of the dead hikers were the result of a large creature squeezing their chest in a manner similar to an adult inadvertently hurting a child by embracing them with too much force. Alas, it is entirely understandable, considering the allegedly renowned doctor opted not to reveal his name for fear of being ridiculed. Nonetheless, this bold assertion that Bigfoot might be to blame for the incident apparently led reporters to look into such a scenario, and in turn, they uncovered several fascinating witness accounts of a Sasquatch-like creature known as Kompolan, lurking in the region— one such account came from a local historian who recalled camping in the Ural Mountains and discovering massive barefoot prints outside his tent in the morning as well as a tall tree nearby that inexplicably twisted into a spiral. Others recalled actually spotting the creatures and described them as, one might expect, tall, bipedal, and hairy. <clears throat> Quite a few residents from the region who were willing to share their knowledge of the Kampolin ascribed a number of almost supernatural abilities to these creatures, bearing an uncanny resemblance to the North American tales of Bigfoot. One individual noted that mysterious cryptids are close. The person experiences a hypnotic suggestion, which causes fear or even panic. Another witness described seeing the beast vanish before their eyes as if they evaporated into thin air. Chillingly, several people <clears throat> blame the creature for mysterious disappearances in the area, and one even went as far as to share a classic challenging story in which a human baby was seemingly switched with that of a Kampolan. Although it is still seems highly unlikely that the past incident could have been caused by a Yeti encounter, the component accounts of the people in the region are rather fascinating, since a good number of the tales are almost certainly being shared with the world for the first time ever. And so we are probably owe some gratitude to the mysterious doctor who dared to go there and in turn helped to unearth a slew of sensational and unheard of stories of the mysterious Sasquatch-like creature said to lurk in the mountains of Siberia.
1: Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM XM events, including VIP only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844 711 8800 to learn more. Offer detail supply one login per activated vehicle, not available in Canada. Oh. In the
0: in the of Turner, the me. This tragic story was, was shared with me from Brian Ellis of Expedition Bigfoot. Richard Stevens, a 13 year old boy, was killed last Tuesday in Knott County, Kentucky. Brian had been following the stories, trying to stitch together the evidence to make some sense of it all. The boy was staying at relative's house and a familiar, very familiar with the area. He was playing in the backyard and a relative called 911 at 6 p.m. last Tuesday evening, saying the boy was being attacked by a canine type creature. First responders on the site at 6.30 p.m. They made it after the 911 caller director directed them up the mountain behind the house they had difficulty getting up the mountainside because of the steep slick terrain but found the boy was dead 300 to 400 feet straight up the rain slick mountain state troopers reported something is out there coroner had confirmed that the boy was killed by a canine type creature but couldn't identify what it was exactly the latest reports are still listed as canine creature There have not been any wolves in Kentucky for decades. A full-grown 40-pound coyote couldn't drag a 100-pound dead body up a mountainside. There are no mountain lions in Kentucky. A feral dog, or even several feral dogs, could not drag a 100-pound dead body up a mountainside, nor could a bear. The coroner has determined the cause of death to be a canine-type creature once again. The funeral was on Friday, and Brian had communicated with the relative to go set up a GoFundMe page, and three different reporters, all at the same time, had said canine creature. The coroner has had ample time to test the DNA. Known animals would be easily identified, but they aren't saying what it was that killed this poor boy. A bear or a mountain lion are the only two animals that Brian knows of that could kill a human and have the strength to drag him up 100 yards up a rain-slick mountainside, but it wasn't a bear or a mountain lion. Coroner said that the canine creature killed him. The authorities are asking neighbors to be hyper-vigilant of their surroundings. If you want more information, Google 13-year-old boy killed by animal attack in Kentucky. The story will most likely fade to black with no official ID of the animal or creature that killed him. Brian has taken the liberty of copying and posting this to reply to the Dogman post. Follow Brian Ellis and Expedition Bigfoot and you will read more about this and you will understand why the Dogman topic might be more important than the possibility of a Bigfoot attack. He claimed to be a serial killer who was actually a werewolf. This was in 1589. Peter Stubey was one of many self-confessed werewolves. In 1589, he claimed that his wolfskin belt allowed him to transform. And he also said he had slain over a dozen victims. In 1685, the mayor became the wolf of Ensbach. The people of Ansbach were angry and scared at their, that their livestock was attacked by a wolf-type creature. Hans, the werewolf, said he was bitten by a man in black. This was in Estonia in the 17th century. Giles Garnier, the werewolf of Dole. Jacquet Roulat, the werewolf of Angers, mutilated a boy in 1598. Two werewolf friends hunted together in 1521. With a long trail of gore behind them, Pierre Bourgold, and Michael Verdun confessed to being werewolves in 1521. Their deeds were gruesome, as records indicate. They killed a woman who was gathering peas, also seized a little girl of four years old, and ate the palpitation flesh, all saved one arm. The Georgia werewolf, Emily Isabella Burt, terrorized neighbors in the 19th century. This is an American werewolf legend that comes from Georgia. As the story goes, the widowed Mildred Burt lived in a rural part of the country in the mid-19th century. One of her daughters, Emily Isabella Burt, had trouble sleeping at night, and she had extra hair and sharp teeth. Then there was the werewolf of Polotsk. He lived on as a sorcerer and a werewolf. He was a very real, real ruler of Polotsk in what is now known as Belarus, known as The sorcerer for his rumored magical powers He was also believed to take the form of a wolf Then there was the beast of Gudavan Who stalked through the 18th century France The tale of the beast of Gouvandon Is one surrounded by mystery and a whole lot of bloodshed Cannibalism made you a werewolf in ancient Greece Beliefs differ on what exactly turns someone into a werewolf. In ancient Greece, apparently people believed that someone could be transformed by eating the meat of a wolf and a human mixed together. The story is similar to the tale of King Lycon. He attempted to trick the god Zeus into eating human flesh. Zeus wasn't pleased with this and turned Lyokon into a wolf as punishment. His name is likely the root of the word lycanthropy. And of course, these are some of the tales and legends that surround us in the world we live in. Pertaining to the man, werewolves, skinwalkers, other type of bipedal wolf or dog-like creatures. And there's so many more tales that are not just of the ancient world, but of the world we currently live in. Like the werewolf of London, Ohio. And that encounter took place in the 1980s. I wrote about this in my book, Haunted Enough. Be sure to check that out if you want to read that tale. It's something that I would assume you'd find quite chilling. Uh, I've been told that it's probably the book itself is one of the scariest books I've ever written. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it wasn't too terrifying. Have a great rest of the week. I will see you next time. With more strange and unusual fun facts I'm Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking Please enjoy the rest of the day Be good to yourself, be good to those around you And try really hard to help those that are less fortunate And it was said to me when I was much younger And I mocked it then, but honestly, if you can't say anything nice Just don't say anything at all